welcome to episode 98 of Retro Encounter RPG Fans Off Topic Podcast. I am today's host, Peter Friesenberg. I have Fury on the boards. And joining me today, we have Robert Gunner. I'm here with 98 Red Balloons, but don't uh, call me in second place. Hello. <laughs> All right. It sounded better in my head than it did out loud. It's an intro. Well, it's Okay, so listeners, we, 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 I, I was wondering whether it was episode 98 or 99 here, because I was going to make a joke about 9,999 damage, but alas, we're 98, so we're going to settle for the balloons instead. <laughs> um, also joining me today is Mike Solosi. Hey everybody, Mike Solosi, Monsoon on the boards. You've heard me on many podcasts, perhaps, so I'll, I'll, let, I'll just let the introductions continue. And also joining us today is Alana Heggs. Hi everyone, I don't come with any jokes either. Um, Diving Falcons on the boards, and good to speak to you all again. Well, and today our, our topic is a very is a very interesting one as far as um, RPG RPG subjects go, and that is the topic of ultimate weapons. Sometimes They're, the ultimate weapons are even called ultimate weapon. Sometimes, sometimes they just get lazy. <laughs> the real ultimate the weapons time. are the friends we make along the way. Hey. Aww. Yes. <laughs> You're blindsided by the emotion. I'm blindsided by friendship. Oh man. Pete. Oh, it's like a tales game. Oh no, we're fighting the boss, and then there's the moment where just everyone that we've met along the way is praying for us, and just appears as a ghost, even if you're Tella and you've died. And the ultimate weapon was swallowed by the darkness. Hmm. Darkness hearts, darkness, darkness hearts, friendship. But putting all that friendship talk aside, uh, many many RPGs have um, one or several pieces of gear that are just considered the best ultimate ultimate gear in that game. They can be character specific. They can just be, in general, this is like the most optimized for your build. Um, sometimes you have to do a side quest. Sometimes you have to fight a boss. Sometimes you have to do both of those things. So what I wanted to do was just go through our fine contributors and see if they had any stories of trying to get the ultimate gear in their games. Um, does anyone want to step up to the plate first? Take that as a no. <laughs> I'll, 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 okay, in that case, I, I'll, I'll begin. Um, whenever I think of doing ultimate weapons in RPGs, uh, the first one that comes to me to mind, probably surprising no one, I'm sorry, Mike, is the Ultima weapon from the Kingdom Hearts games. So should I just mute my mic, or should I just be extra salty and snide for the rest of the segment? Scream into a pillow. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, tell us about Kingdom Hearts' ultimate weapon called the Ultima Weapon. Well, the, so the Ultima Weapon is one of those things where they kind of inherited it from the other Final Fantasy games, and it was in 7 that um, Cloud, uh, Cloud's best weapon was called the Ultima Weapon, and they sort of had, that sort of just stuck with the series since then. Lightning has one, Noctis has one. There's but, um, al- there was also an Ultima weapon in Final Fantasy VI, but it was translated as Atma weapon. Yes. <laughs> but uh, oh, Ted Woolsey. Yeah, so so I think that's where it started, but it it became more of a thing in Final Fantasy VII, where every character has their own just like specific ultimate weapon. But yeah, let, let's talk. Let's go back to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Well, it sort of has a lineage, and Kingdom Hearts being um, a Final Fantasy Disney crossover inherited that part of the lineage. Um, the thing about the Ultima weapon in the Kingdom Hearts games is it's it is. It's easily the best Keyblade in 
the games that it is present in, um, in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I think it's in one of the spinoff games as well, but I'm not going to get into that for the purposes of brevity. In Kingdom Hearts, in Kingdom Hearts, you you, you don't get the uh, the Keyblade right away by um, by uh, completing a world or defeating a boss if you normally would. You have to collect synthesis materials, and doing so is an enormous pain. In Kingdom Hearts One, it's not so bad um, because you have to because you you have you you just go to the Moogle Workshop in uh, in Traverse Town. And eventually, and give them the, the materials you, you, you find, and event, and they'll be able to make it for you. You have to collect all of an item called all of, of the rare ore called Auric Halcom in the game, which requires you to complete uh, the mini games and do well at them. Collect which, like mentioning collecting Auric Halcom is giving me all kinds of flashbacks because that's just a very popular collectible metal in RPGs. Indeed, yeah. In in, in Kingdom Hearts. Um, uh, you have to complete like, certain mini games, like um, I think you have to complete all the Hundred Acre Wood uh, games to get an Orc Halcom. I think you need. There, I think there's one hidden in each world. Actually, I would have to look, but they changed the locations of it in the final mix version of Kingdom Hearts One. So the one that's wild, widely available now in the HD collections uh, is different than it was in the PS2 version. In Kingdom Hearts Two, then they increased the amount of they they increased the amount of materials you needed to do it. Um, in that game, you have to collect Auric Halcom Plus, and the only way to get the rest of it is to complete uh, the Mushroom 13 quests that they added in. Those things, those things can go like to video game hell, where they belong. I definitely uh, remember, oh, they're just dreadful. I mean, some backstory, they're based off of all of the organization members, aren't they? So they're all in specific areas of the game, if I'm right. One of them involves, like, juggling one of the enemies for five minutes, and the best way to do it is by circling around them in wisdom form, by firing at them for five minutes straight or however long. And it feels random yeah. sometimes. It just feels mm. completely random. There are various... Some of them are really easy. Um, but some of them are just ridiculous. They, they're like tedious little mini-games that just drove me insane and i did get i got the ultimate weapon eventually in two mm. i got it in one as well in final mix for both versions but i don't know whether i'd want to go through it again and actually for the lack of one combo here i almost feel like i prefer fenrir in kingdom hearts <laughs> 2 because it's just that's the one you get for beating sephiroth right yeah yeah so it's less effort and i say less effort i mean sephiroth's not too bad but um yeah and two he's it... kind of he's actually fairly easy as far as <laughs> Super mm. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's it's not even a Final Fantasy thing. A Kingdom Hearts collectathon for an ultimate weapon. Like I'll go and play a platformer for a collectathon, but not necessarily play Kingdom Hearts to juggle mushrooms around like a loony. Your description of all the hoops you need to jump through to get these ultimate weapons does not make me more excited to play Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Sounds like some lightning dodging crap. Oh boy. It's, it's, oh boy. It's akin to lightning dodging crap. The celestial weapons in ten are another like just grindy nightmare if you want to get them and all of them require. Oh they're horrible. I and uh, when we I've played when we played Final Fantasy Ten for the uh podcast a little over two years ago, I think. The only I think the only ultimate weapons I maxed out were Orin's, Yuna's and Waka's. The first two because they weren't that challenging. Uh, you, you just had to, you just, yeah, you, you just had to fight 
you just had to fight a couple special battles, I think. But for Wakas, yeah, I played about 55 or 60 games of Blitzball to get it, and maybe not recommended unless you like Blitzball as much as I do. Kill a beast for life. Oh no, oh no, I loved getting it. I mean, I'm sad because I I did get all of the ultimate the celestial weapons and Whoa. all the power ups for them. Um, I it took didn't. a lot. I've done it twice. Um, what? Yeah, I, there's a little trick with the thunder where there's a little section. If you just run around in it, it will always strike in one area. I, I tried the, the I tried the I tried the thunder once and just gave up, and tried the chocobo races once and decided it wasn't for me either. The, yeah, the chocobo races is always the one that I really dislike because it does feel a little bit more less akin to skill. I mean, at least with the thunder. Dodging, at least you have reaction times, and at least you have a chance to press the button. But the chocobo one to get the, I think it's probably the sun sigil. Um, oh, that's a nightmare. But it's funny because getting the actual weapons is quite easy for most of them. It's getting the sigil and the crest, isn't it? Yeah. It's really it, a pain yeah. in the back. Yeah. The, cr- the crest is always hidden in a random chest, but the sigil always has, uh, for each of the weapons, the sigil has a very specific side quest or task you have to complete. And yeah, actually, yeah. You, you, now that you mention it, I think I got Riku's as well because that was just finding a bunch of cactuars in the desert. That's right. But yeah, uh, so, so, so yeah, I got I got four out of seven, I guess, which you know is not as bad as I thought. I think it's harder in the international version too because of the stupid uh, dark aeons, which oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think oh, we've, yeah. I think we have mentioned this on the, on the ten podcast, but those things are implemented terribly. They are awful. We've yeah. had to deal with that over here since two thousand and one, so I'm glad you got to suffer through it in two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> a long overdue penance. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. You did that on purpose. Uh, actually, no. I just realized the joke I made. Thank <laughs> you. I, I was, I, I'm not going to own that. that okay, was, okay. For, for, the, yeah. for the uninitiated, penance is the name of the like secret super final boss that you can fight at the Monster Arena in the international version of 10. But I thought that was the joke Peter was making, but I was wrong. Oh. Nope. I thought you were doing that as well. Right. I, I've never done pe- I've never done penance. I've never, I've never done Nemesis or penance. I've but, done uh, Nemesis, but not penance. FF Ten's no, a cool game, but and the, at least the final, uh, the ultimate weapons all look pretty. Yeah, I think Nirvana is a particularly nice looking weapon. Really, that's that's kind of an interesting thing about ultimate weapons in general, and like so, like going back to Kingdom Hearts as well. The ultimate the ultimate weapon in both Kingdom Hearts One and Two has a very elegant looking design, and um. It's, there's kind of a certain amount of bragging rights to it, like, okay, so you, you get Save the King for Goofy, Save the Queen for Donald, and um, the ultimate weapon for Sora, and then your party's just, like, all decked out and stuff. Um, yeah, and they, they, they're, 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 they're so fancy and gaudy. It's like it's like you have a little trophy, like, yeah, look at this ultimate yeah. weapon, I got this thing. You have proof of Omega. That's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that, 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 that bragging rights element is... Where I think a lot of the collectathon or like 100% completion aspects of video games come from, even if there's not really much of a bonus for getting ultimate weapons, it's more just a you are now more power, you now have more power than anything else in the game type deal. But it's the prestige of having that cool blue flash across the screen when some, when you know Cloud or Terra or whoever, or Sora or whoever swings that ultimate weapon. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's kind of satisfying. It's, it's a tangible reward for the the work you've put into the game most of the time, because um, sometimes I look at the the, the at making the the mushroom heartless happy, and I'm just like, I want to destroy all of you, but I can't. 
But yeah, it's Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy X are both pretty good examples of the collectathon tedious uh, angles hmm. that, that results in a big payoff. Uh, do we have any other uh, interesting examples on the docket? Yeah, no, I have an interesting collectathon to counter your collectathon. Um, oh, okay. In the form of another early PS2 RPG, um, Dark Cloud. Um, oh. So oh. these oh. are, again, not particularly remember- memorable for the way that they're. Well, I like the way you get them, but they're quite typically an example of a collectathon in an RPG, quite tedious. So to describe the weapon system in Dark Cloud a little bit, you don't really need to buy any weapons. So they'll come out of chests and dungeons or random drops out of enemies and things like that. So most characters have about six or seven weapons. And what you do is you fuse them up to make better weapons. And you do that by acquiring little stones, which either boost the weapons... Um, affinity against types of monsters so you get like undead stones undead killers metal killers and dragon slayers which if you put them onto the weapon max the weapon up and then upgrade it those stones will be infused into the weapon and you can see on the chart what you need to upgrade to get the weapon up to the next level basically so you might need like plus five fire or you'll need a fire addition. It doesn't actually tell you how much you need, so you have to keep going until you, basically the <laughs> weapon tells you it's ready to go. So they'll flash up as green. It'll be like, you need plus five fire, plus five, or whatever wind, and whatever this. Okay, Google search dark cloud yeah. FAQs. Re- oh, requirements yeah. for the weapon shirt. levels up. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, the thing is, this as well, is that each weapon has two different paths most of the time, so... There are some paths that are better and some paths that are worse. So there are two different main swords that Tone, who is the main character, who's the weapon I'm going to talk about, can get. And one of them is called Seventh Heaven, uh, which is slightly more magic-based, if I remembered. But there's something called the Chronicle Sword. And the way you have to get it, you just have to fuse up any one of his sword like five or six times, basically, and... You don't know, unless you're using a walkthrough like you've suggested, whether you're going to get that weapon. If you get 7th Heaven, you're going to get something that's ridiculously weaker, and whereas Chronicle Sword is physically a lot powerfuler. It doesn't... It's Compared to probably a lot of the other weapons we're going to talk about, it's not a particularly pretty-looking weapon. It's quite nice. It's silver with green on it, which is really cool, but you basically need... Uh, it's got mo- the highest overall stats for every type of enemy, so it's got, like a 60 attack against dragon undead marine but none against mage and the magic stats on it thunder and holy are like 90 and to get them that high up is really difficult you can buy most of the stones that you equip but they only boost the attack stats or anything by like plus one and two so if you want to get the really higher level weapons you need to do gem farming so every dungeon has a back room and those back rooms are completely randomized. So Dark Cloud is a dungeon crawler, essentially, where every floor of this each dungeon is random. So you might enter floor 14 of one dungeon, and it won't have a back room or a back room key. But you might enter it again in a week's time, and it will have a back room and a key. So what that does is takes you to a stronger area where the enemies are three times as strong, and the experience is three times as strong. They're all berserk. And they have rarer drops, so you need to get the gems, which significantly speed everything up. But the problem is, is there's a there's probably only going to be about one every time you do it. So 
gems are really good and that they'll boost stats by like 20 or 10 as opposed to like one or two but it's just without a walkthrough it's almost impossible to identify where you're going and chronicle sword's not even the best sword you can get so um tone has a sword called chronicle 2 which you can get after you've finished the game weirdly enough because they like locking the really special stuff right at the end after you know doing absolutely everything so when you've beat the game there is a side quest which is in a dungeon called the demon shaft and demon shaft is a randomized dungeon like everything else most of the dungeons in the game have a max of about 25 floors i think so demon shaft has a hundred floors and you don't have to do it in one go but you do have to i don't think you can die it's i've no i've replayed this recently and didn't do demon shaft but this is post game only so this is like a uh, this is like a chrysler building in parasite eve or something absolutely yeah so you don't even really get the full reward out of the sword because you can't yeah, it's it's only just... it's it's only the prestige, and not and not maybe the end game usefulness that would make the rest of the game a cakewalk or or, or at yeah. least easier. This is really just a trophy. Into, um, can you carry it into New Game Plus? Um, I don't believe you can. No, so oh. you literally get it after. I'm gonna have to look that up in a minute, but I'm pretty sure you can't get it taken into New Game Plus, which is ridiculous because you have to fight the Black Knight Pendragon, which. It's by far the most ridiculous boss fight in the game. I mean, if you're using Tone as the main character anyway, you get ranged characters and the game is completely broken if you use any of the ranged characters, so it's fine. But yeah, the feat... Something I really dislike about really powerful ultimate weapons, as Robert has just rightly pointed out, is there'll be post-game dungeons where you get them and you can't carry anything over, which is like a waste of time. It's just like a trophy and... I don't really like that because I don't get the glory of killing things in one hit with that sword. Yeah. After all the effort of going to get the ultimate sword for the main game, getting a post-game sword which you can't even use beyond that, beyond beating the Pendragon, is ridiculous. But mm. I don't think it's as bad. It's Maybe it is as bad as Kingdom Hearts. I think Kingdom Hearts is more like mini-games and stuff kind of irritate me, whereas... I quite enjoy the synthesis aspect of Dark Cloud because at least you're trying to you're you're kind of responsible for it, but it's not impossible to do without a walkthrough. You're gonna have to guess otherwise. Um, but Chronicle Two is a bit of a joke. Why would you a, give me? I, I played a bit of the original Dark Cloud, but it's interesting to see that uh, a level five's uh, obsession with item synthesis goes all the way back <laughs> to the beginning. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, a bit of a challenge, I'd say. Um, the, everyone's ultimate weapons are pretty much the same, so Chronicle Sword is just the one I picked out because it's the most well-known. Um, most other characters, actually, having a quick glance over it. Ah, so one other character has two different weapons, and the others all have one ultimate weapon, so <laughs> just get it right with Tone and get it right with uh, Ruby and you're fine, but... To be honest, whatever you give Ruby, as long as it's magic-based, she's completely overpowered. But, you know. Yay, level five. Woo! Demon Shaft sounds like an even dirtier sequel to The Legend of the Overfiend. (laughs) Sorry. No, I I, I was trying to think of exactly the right Demon Shaft joke, but uh, I think you beat me to it, Robert. (laughs) Yeah, no, Demon Shaft is not fun. The game is good. It's old, but... We made enough Shaft jokes um, playing Symphony of the Night. 
Oh, your mouth. beautiful. Uh, that, actually, your story about the Chronicles sort of reminds me of um, a very topical game right now, which is Final Fantasy XII, um, and that game's ultimate oh. thing. Uh, well, we all know about the, the Zodiac Spear, the one that was... Right. Um, you, you open a, one of three random treasure chests in the game. Guess what? You just shot down your odds of getting this thing to like nothing. I think it was. Um, I think it was four. I think it was four chests, and I remember one of the four was in that grid of sixteen chests. That's uh, um, th- that that's in that path south of Rabinastre. You, you know, know which ones I mean? There, there, there's these sixteen chests like sitting on a beach or something, and one of them was. Yeah, 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 that's where it is. And uh and one of them was one of the four that disallows you getting the Zodiac spear. And Yeah, I've I've just got to that bit and I was tentatively going, Oh thank god, no Zodiac spear, but yeah. Which is just such a baffling bit of game design and you wonder whoever would include it. Then you look at the credits and you're like, Oh, how is Akatoshi it? Kawazu? It's all you. <laughs> it was you all along. Such a that is such a saga move. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> you didn't do it, I was going to. I'm, I'm so glad they took it out of the Zodiac Age. Um, it's even funnier. Yeah, yeah no, not the yeah. Zodiacs, but they took the method out, so you really? don't have to do it randomized. Yeah. Because um, I remembered even... the thing after I was just like running around open chest willy-nilly, and I was like, wait a minute, there was something that I never yeah, got. That's, that's <laughs> <a good one. laughs> no, it's gone don't. now? Yeah. Wow, sweet. Yeah, so it's pretty easy, and also I suppose it's kind of a bit more moot anymore because there's only one class that can wield spears now. So, <laughs> and I made Fran one of them in my Zodiac Age playthrough, so she's going to be oh. wielding until I can get that Zodiac spear. <laughs> oh, partial world mine if I pick one up, unless I get a really nice bow because I swear that Final Fantasy after twelve got some obsession with making sexy bows. So hmm. I can see that, yeah. But um, the weapon I was actually going—I was actually going to talk about—is um, the another weapon from Twelve, the Worm Hero Blade, um, which is the oh, that, that's, weapon that's the one that, killing Yeah, that's the one oh. that looks like the Dragon Quest One sword, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing about that sword is that in order to in order to get it, you need to kill the game's hardest boss. So once you have it, what's the point? <laughs> mm, all fifty-six million that's... HP of it. That's the way with a lot of these, um, a lot of these that we're going to be talking about. Oh yeah, it's like after you get it. Like at least with the well, the thing about the Ultima weapon, I, I, I know I'm diving this way back to Kingdom Hearts because I need to talk about Kingdom Hearts while I have the chance. But um, the thing I like about that weapon, at least, is for all the rigmarole you need to get it. Once you get it, you can use it on all the, the all the optional bosses and actually get some work out of it. Um, um, but stuff like putting the ultimate weapon behind, like, a super boss, that kind of takes the, um... I part, I, I'm not a big fan of that method. I mean, I think you should be rewarded for defeating these powerful bosses, but the best gear in the game, I think, once that is just like, okay, so now what do I kill with this thing? Like, just random encounters? Yeah, it plays with the idea that, you know, a lot of people suggest, with Twelve in particular, but probably other games is that if you get the ultimate weapon and spend the time leveling up to get said ultimate weapon, what are you going to do with it? Because by the time you get to the final boss with the ultimate weapon, especially in probably Zodiac Age's instance where you need to be like level 70 to do Yasmat with a realistic chance, um, mm-hmm. you're going to kill the final boss in three hits. Yeah. It's like, a waste. It just takes the glory out of it, kind of. But eh, mm-hmm. at least it's pretty. 
<laughs> Indeed, yeah, and there is, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the aesthetics of these weapons are sometimes just, just like, you know, it's elegant looking, it's good to look at, it kind of shows on your character, hey, I put in the effort, but, um, and yeah. there's an art, there was an article I read one time that was like, in, in Final Fantasy 1, if you do all the content, you will have all the power you need to defeat the final boss. In Final Fantasy 12, if you do all the content, you will be able to reduce the final boss to cinders within seconds. <laughs> And that's stuck in a lot of RPGs. Uh, I was just going to say, I enjoy the journey more than the destination. I was I was joking earlier about it being the friends we meet along the way. But, um, <laughs> like, usually, you know, when I get the ultimate weapon, I'm kind of like, okay, great, now what? Um, but, you know, I, I don't... I don't really have that much of an opinion unless it's got some compelling and decent quest design behind getting it. So, you know, if it's if it's... I, don't, I guess if it's a plot beat or if you find it in a chest like the Zodiac Spear, I'm not so excited about that. But um, something like one of the examples that I was bringing today was um, the old uh, Squaresoft game Live Alive um, with the with the seven different main characters set in different time periods. And This is why we bring you along, Fenner. We need, we need Japanese <laughs> games that no one else has played. Hey, I've played Live Alive. Have none of you guys played it? Oh, I've played, 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 played Live Alive. I've played Live Alive. Well, at the if you complete all the scenarios in Live Alive, um, they all sort of this this malevolent force um, kind of brings all the time periods together into one like nightmare void, and um, all the heroes are together to form a party, and um, each of the seven heroes has their own different dungeon that has like a different mechanic and uh, kind of creepy music and something just weird and off about it, and um, you you can you can go through these optional dungeons if you want to get um, their ultimate weapons. So, I mean, the ones that I really remember are like the Kung Fu Masters dungeon where you're being pursued by this enormous fat um, and you have to run away from him. Um, and there was the Cowboy Dungeon Sundown as well where it's it's timed and you know every so often there's like this ominous bell chime and the, the screen gets darker and darker with each chime. And, and if you if you let it chime eight times, you, you get thrown into a really tough boss battle, which is, you know, <laughs> beating that gets you another weapon on top of the weapon that's actually in the dungeon. Um, so just like this, like parade of like kind of um, surrealist, surrealist quests that you can undertake if you want. Um, I dig that kind of thing a lot. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I, I don't know much about Live Live at all other than that it was a thing. So that's. That sounds that sounds sounds really interesting, and yeah, I agree. It's nice when um when our when these things have a quest or a, a dungeon or just an, an interesting experience added on to them. That is yeah. just item farming or bat or bat fighting a boss. I, I mean, combining the narrative hooks with what we were talking about earlier with collectathons, um, getting the ultimate weapons in any of the trails games where you have mm-hmm. to uh, get every chapter of of that particular game's book. Oh, yeah. I really like those. Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes the window is just too small on getting some of those books. Yeah, so, like... sometimes it's like you have to go back to the beginning of a zone when, like, in between two conversations between two different NPCs in the same town. Like, I don't like. Yeah, I, it's mean. I, it's really it, it, mean. It, it's extremely specific. And I, uh, I, I did get one of the ultimate weapons in Trails in the Sky first chapter. Uh, but yeah. that was on a second playthrough using a guide because there's no Same. way there's no way I would have gotten all of the was it, is it Carnelia's name of the book? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I would I never would have gotten it uh, naturally without a guide. Get um, all of the chapters of Carnelia on my own. There's a really cool one in Cold Steel. I, I think uh, 
was it bl- blood rose or bl- blood uh it, it's got it's got blood something in the title uh and a lot, it's, of, red, uh, a lot of red flower books that we're discussing in this episode yeah um <laughs> and it's this it's this like pulp serial about um like a, a female church appointed vampire hunter which is it, it's oh. thrilling at every chapter yeah it's a lot of fun i like those a lot those are cool side quests because I mean, Carnelian in in a uh, first chapter is basically a spy thriller. Yeah, where you you're... meet the author in Cold Steel. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, oh that <laughs> book I've read about that. Actually. I gotta make my way through That's... further in Cold Steel, I guess. Dialing back a bit, though. Getting back on on topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you're what you're describing with Little Live Robert actually kind of reminds me of Chrono Triggers. Um, getting Chrono Triggers Ultimate Weapons, which we discussed a little bit on the Chrono Trigger podcast, I believe. But they all... do. Um, they do share a uh, scenario writer. Oh yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, is, that oh, game... oh, is, is Live Alive Kato? Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, blah, blah, blah. I wrote his name down. Uh... <laughs> I don't know which one it is. I'll okay, I, 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 I know it's. I know it's not. Tokitara it's... Inoue. It is oh, Tokitara. Yeah. Wait, so... Inoue as in Lost Odyssey? No. Uh, no. And definitely not Inoue like Slam Dunk and Vagabond, right? <laughs> I'm getting them confused. Yes, that's, that's the Inoue I know. To- Tokita did the did the side quests in okay. Chrono Trigger. But I was gonna say yeah, because Chrono Trigger's whole that series is a similar thing where Chrono Trigger's whole end game is you can do all these optional quests for each of the party members, and that gets yeah. you their gear. And then in the DS version, they added even more weapons tied to the new optional content, and you can get um, Chrono Chrono's new best sword um, by undergoing a new story specific boss that ties into Chrono Cross. And I always really enjoyed that aspect of Chrono Trigger on DS because mm-hmm. I'm a passionate Chrono Cross apologist. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how unultimate weapons are tied to character arcs. And the first thing that I can think on, the only thing I can think of at the moment is a couple of Tales of Symphonia's ultimate weapons are tied to certain characters. Yeah. Side quest. Right. So I wanted the to ask you I... what, what you felt about some Tales ones. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, so these are the only ones I can remember. It's been a while since I've played Symphonia. So I think it's Zelos' ultimate weapon, or one of them, the knife, I believe. You have to defeat the. You have to do the Colosseum with just Zelos, and you have Se- to fight. Several the, of the, I think several of them are Colosseum battles, but Lloyd uh, yeah. is, Lloyd has two. One from the Colosseum and one from That's the uh, one from the uh, what should I call it? The, the big skeleton dudes. What are those called? Oh, sword the um, sword dancers. Yeah, yeah sword they're dancers, really great. Yeah. They're really good fights. I love them. Um, Zealous is you as part of the Colosseum. The final boss for him is completely different. It's his little sister, Zealous. So you have to fight her. There's some brother sister tension relationship there, um, but they're pretty good. Um, the other one I remember is Genesis, and this might be a spell as well, but. He was born in the elf village, and because he's a half elf, he was cast out with his sister. So you had to go back at some point and do some kind of side quest in the forest. And you got, I think this is probably more a spell, but I'm pretty sure you get a very good Kendama as well for it. So um, I like those. I like it when they're tied to character development, because at least it shows, like we've said, that you're getting something else beside from weapons out of it. The journey is the most important part of it. And sometimes powering up to fight a super boss to get another better weapon is not the best way to do it. You want some character development out of it. But um, I'll stick with Symphonia for a little bit because, or even the whole Tales series actually, because there are some weapons in these games called the Devil's Arms in a uh, yes. series. These are really cool. So, so cool. In, in uh, Symphonia's case, which well, I'll we, refer to... 
Oh, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. But when we were playing Tales of the Abyss earlier this year, I yes. I uh, I tried equipping. Um, the, the devil arms are weird in that one because three of them have sort of a holy theme and three of them have sort of a darkness theme. When usually yeah, they're right. when usually they're all of these twisted nightmare looking things. But I, I I spent a lot of my last few hours of the game trying to power up guys. Uh, um, uh, Nephilim weapon as much as as much as I could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, so the general rule of thumb with the devil's arms is that they get stronger the more enemies you kill, but you but. <laughs> have to unlock them. Yes, so there are the quests that you have to do to unlock them. So in Tales of Symphonia, you do pick up Lloyd's sword, which I think is Nephilim, um, pretty mm -hmm. soon into the game, and you bump into a man called Abyssian in Flanois, uh, which is the snowy town in Tethyala. Um and he wants you to collect all of these weapons because he can sense the evil coming off of you. So every time you go and pick up each of these weapons, there's nine in total. There's eight main characters, but um, Zealous and Kratos have two different types of weapons. So you go one for each of them. Um, they, you pick them up and he comes along and is kind of praises you for doing it. And Prisea can sense something really odd about him. So when you get all nine of these weapons... Uh, Abyssian takes all of these and he runs away to the Shadow Temple and you have to travel all the way down there and fight a really cool, really powerful super boss. And once you've done that, the Devil's Arms are unlocked and depending on how many enemies you've killed, they'll be ridiculously overpowered because probably to get there you'd have to kill lots and lots of different things. But I really like how the series handles this side quest because, like we said, and I think we discussed it in Abyss, Abyss does it even more clever because there are the professor who teaches Jade and uh, Dist is called Professor Nebulim or Nebulim. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think it is Nebulim, but I was, I was confusing them yes. with uh, Diablo three Nephilim, which is, uh, uh, which is an, an internal struggle for me. <laughs> um, but so in the story, she is their teacher and she dies as a result of an accident that Jade causes. Um, so Dist, he becomes obsessed with bringing her back to life. So there's a technology called Fomacry where they basically create clones. Um, so the super boss for the this side quest is that you have to fight Nebulim. And she's tough. Like, definitely one of the toughest bosses in that series. Especially, probably in the English releases, at least I would say the toughest boss. But there's some cool side quests with the Devil Arms. And hmm. I like the way that they initially when you get them they curse you as well so you they're, they're completely useless until you put the effort into them that's one side quest where the effort is really worth it i think in series terms i, I love the devil arms introduction in symphonia but yeah i gotta agree with you when they kind of like spun it into like a character backstory in abyss i was like i was like punching the sky when we started getting the story about dr nebulim and i was like yes. oh my god it's gonna it's gonna be the devil's arms but it yep. actually means something now it does. It yep. was so good. Um, I distinctly remember like the undulating teeth on Prisea's axe in Symphonia. <laughs> That's stuck with oh, me after beautiful. all these years. Yeah, that and the evil eye, which is Colette's chakram, which has got yeah. a big eye in the middle that blinks occasionally. Like, yeah, throw it I mean, I mean, I've really had soul caliber flashbacks when uh, when I saw that <laughs> evil eye weapon because I mean, the, both of the games yeah. are both the games are Namco, and it really looks like the soul edge the soul blinking edge. eye. It does. Oh, it's brilliant. It's um, like that. Um, it's like that Mitchell and Webb skit, where like you know you're holding these weapons, and you're like, um, do you think maybe we're the bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I don't know. I, I I have next to no experience with the Tales games, but that's uh, that sounds really fascinating to me. I, I may have to 
like bite the bullet and actually play Symphonia sometime. <laughs> I would recommend Abyss ahead of Symphonia, but I think. I, I, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Symphonia is just an okay Tales game. Well, Abyss is one of the best ones, but I'm well, I've been accused I've been Symphonia accused was really groundbreaking. I've been accused of being a Symphonia hater before because I still think Fantasia <laughs> and Eternia are better. But, oh, I, see, I, I'm on the same page as you with Fantasia. I love Fantasia. Fantasia's great, and um, and Vesperia, yeah. Vesperia might be the best of all of them, but that one's significantly after uh, Symphonia and Vesperia. But I and, strongly disliked what I played in Exilia, and that was. That's, <laughs> Experience. It's not great. I think Exilia is it's kind not of. I I, th- I think it's Exilia is similar to Symphonia in that in that it's it's not bad but kind of average for the series. Yeah, I love it, but it's definitely got a lot of problems and not helped by the mm. sequel at all. Right. No, not at all. Um, I I would recommend playing Symphonia. Like, I don't know if they've fixed it on Steam. I know that was a big mess when it launched. Oof. But like, if you still have your PS3 hooked up, it's like regularly. Discounted to like under five dollars. Yeah, so. I, I have I have my PS3. So. Mm. I know yeah. that our so, um, abyss oh. is abyss is very very good. One of our social media editors, Stephanie, who's been on this podcast a couple times, has been playing a uh, Symphonia off and on for stream for RPG fans. So that might be worth checking out. And check her yeah. out eating toast while doing so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> toast and pizza very often feature heavily into her streams. But getting back, getting once again getting back on getting back on track. Um, uh, so Mike, um, before we talk to Alana and Robert, you had mentioned that you uh, had you had something to share, and I think before the podcast, you mentioned a question that you wanted to ask. Um, sure. Um. And and uh, the the question I wanted to ask ties into what we've already been talking about. But first, I'm going to talk about the uh, the ultimate weapon I wanted to bring up, which is exactly in the opposite direction of what Rob likes about ultimate weapons. This is a weapon that is only about numbers and prestige and being a prize to be won. And that's the Yoshitsuna in the Disgaea series. Oh, oh yeah. I've heard about this. <laughs> now, um, maybe surprisingly, I have not mentioned my Disgaea love in uh, on podcasts before, but it's true. I have I played the bejesus out of the first five Disgaea games. I still haven't played um, the PS4 one, but I've, uh, I, I'm a big Disgaea fan going back many years. And the ultimate sword in the first Disgaea, the Yoshitsuna, which is named after one of the game's creators, Yoshitsuna Kobayashi, is a giant laser sword with an attack power of 4,000, when this, I believe the, the second highest attack power in the game is around 3,200. And uh, it increases most of your stats by in the 500 to 1,000 range, when every other weapon increases stats by maybe 200 to 300. It's in, and it also increases your movement by five because why not? And is a range is and has a range attack as a sword because why not? It's just ludicrously powerful, and over and uh, but getting it is is an ordeal because you get uh, this from Ball or something. No, <laughs> it item more, world. It's more com- yes, it's, it's it's more complicated than Ball. But, um, uh, Ball is the uh, is the the hidden secret boss in many Nipponichi games, and um, we were talking about how Izmat has fifty thousand HP or something, or fifty million HP or something. Ball is level two thousand and has um, no level four thousand, and I believe has over a hundred million HP when you first meet him. But Jeez. but 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 by the end, but if you've been leveling up and you maybe you already have a Yoshitsuna when you fight him, you can kill him in a couple hits. Um, because because Disgaea games are completely about excess and exploiting RPG mechanics and just seeing gigantic numbers go across the screen. The screen, they uh, to the, to which point like eventually the numbers get so huge they eventually drop f- three digits from them and just and just add a K to represent how many thousands of damage you're dealing with each hit. 
But uh, to get the Yoshitsuna, or to get any of the ultimate weapons, basically every type of weapon has a rank, uh, or a ranking system, I should say. Like, uh, there, there's 40 swords ranked 1 through 40, there's 40 axes ranked 1 through 40, etc. And the rank 40 weapon is the strongest one, so the Yoshitsuna is the rank 40 sword. But to get, the only way to get it is uh, is to find a a legendary value, which is, a, I think, about 1 out of 25 chance of the rank 39 sword, and then jumping into the into that weapon at your magic castle and fighting it, going through a 100 floor dungeon uh, inside that the level the rank 39 weapon, and at the 100th floor defeating the boss at the end, and uh, but before defeating him, stealing the Yoshitsuna from him. And yeah. and stealing is <laughs> stealing is its own thing because any class can steal, but only one class can ha- steal with a success rate greater than fifty percent. And isn't and, it a consumable item to steal? Is, yes, yeah, yeah. That right? you, you have to use hands, which are consumable items that allow you to steal. Oh, so you so you have to level up someone in what? one. You have to level up someone in the in the rogue class of uh, of demons. Very high, probably into the low thousands at least, and find a legendary rarity uh, cosmic blade, which is the rank thirty nine sword, and jump through its dungeon of of a uh, of a hundred floors and defeat the item god at the top. So yeah, Disgaea, it's completely insane. Like you do not the, the final boss of the story. Did you is, do this? Yes, I did. I have I have <laughs> I got every wow. sing, I got every single rank forty item in the first Disgaea on the PSP version. But um, the thing about them is you don't need to do any of that because, I mean, Bale is level 4,000 and Prinny Bale, which is a, his reincarnated version, is level 8,000. But, like, the you can beat that game at level 50 if you just go... The final to, the like... final boss is level 90, and you can beat the game. Yeah. If, if your equipment's good, you can beat the game at a level significantly lower than 90. <laughs> but the more you level up, and you also can level up your weapons and armor, because every single item in the game has a dungeon inside that you can use to level up the oh, item. Oh, wow. Which is... Well, yeah, so yeah you, have, you have to get your Cosmic Blade to level 100 just to get a Yoshitsuna. <laughs> Such a grind fest. It's, it's a complete yeah. grind fest, but it's a self-aware grind fest, and at least for me, an entertaining grind fest that has, that's full of humor and really offbeat designs and Tenpei Sato music, who, and he's the most underrated composer in, in video games, in my opinion. Um, that stuff. Yeah, he's 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 a weirdo, and I love him. But uh, it's l- like it's completely divorced from any story thing. The only reason to get a Yoshitsuna is to say that you have one, and maybe to defeat Uber Prinny Bale in one hit. It's <laughs> there, there's no point to the story of it, and um and I think and also it's really only that first Yoshitsuna that feels special to me because in later Disgaea games they balance the weapons a little bit more, so the uh, I think in Disgaea 2, the rank 40 axe is stronger than the rank 40 sword, but the sword gives you more, like, other stat bonuses or something. They they uh, they evened out how good the weapons were in future Disgaea games, but in Disgaea 1, it was an unbalanced mess, and the Yoshitsuna was so much stronger than everything else that it didn't really matter. Things like, things like the Yoshitsuna and also, like, the insane amount of crafting and hours of dungeon diving that uh, it entails to get, like, the 
absolute best weapon in something like Shirin the Wanderer, mm-hmm. um, I find really, really fascinating to hear about. And I loved you telling me about it just now, but like, <laughs> I don't know if I would ever really want to do it. I, Where's but my patience? Yeah. I, 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 I understand. I really get like a kind of a sick pleasure looking at FAQs on like all the steps you need to take to, to do like a game in itself to get this and one item. The crazy, to get it. The crazy well, thing is they, they got even crazier in later versions, in later Disgaea games, because I think that, uh, to get rank any weapon any item rank thirty six to forty, you have to go to the Dark Sun version of a stage, which means you have to you know like beat a level and complete some arcane ritual or something, which allows you to go to an alternate dimension version of the level. And uh, and, and and also probably um, go into the uh, go into the demon assembly and bri- and bribe senators to change laws to make them available. It's like th- there's so much weird exploitative big numbers nonsense in Disgaea games. I I think it's sort of a celebration of weirdo RPG mechanics, but also it's oh, for not sure. it's not for everyone. It is Yeah. It's kind of fun like to just feel I don't know, if you're in a mood for just feeling a bit mindless like popping on a podcast and going through um, tens of floors of an item world. I think there's a pleasure oh, yeah. in that. Well, I mean, I, there's a pleasure it, in Disgaea. Yeah, um, Disgaea is an excellent podcast game, and we've talked about what makes a good podcast game on these podcasts before, like Diablo, Disgaea, Dragon Quest. Those are my D's of podcast games. But, um, <laughs> but it, like, I, I, Disgaea feels special to me because it feels like the most self-aware, silly exploitation of numbers and stages and dungeons to get those ultimate weapons, which is why the Yoshitsuna is it feels special to me and it's i mean it's the opposite of say a different uh a different strategy rpg like like fire emblem fuin no uh, fuin no tsurugi which has a specific ultimate weapon in each item class but you they're all attached to the story and you and you collect each of them in gaiden chapters and you can only mm. get the best ending if you find all eight so and but I but I think you get three of them automatically in the story and you have to unlock five chapters to get the ultimate ending it, it whatever um fire emblem 6 is nuts but um, that's that sort of uh, takes me to the question I wanted to ask you guys before we close the podcast. And do you like it more if a character has one defined ultimate weapon that is that trophy, that prestige item that you know is going to be the best item, the best weapon for them for the rest of the game? Or do you like it when it's an uncertain question? Like uh, you're at the end of the game, you have all the items available to you, but you're not sure what the best weapon is for a certain character depending on your how you customize them or how you want to play them. Do you, do you like having one ultimate weapon, or do you like having... I'm not sure what the ultimate weapon is, I have to experiment. That's a good question. Uh, for me personally, I think in I, uh, it kind of depends on the game for me. By and large, I think I prefer just having the one ultimate weapon or ultimate set of gear, because it's kind of... I think it adds a certain level of accomplishment once you have a character like that's all decked out and like the best year without like um that element of i built the character specifically for this gear because i feel like that's a different kind of ultimate weapon like if you spec a character in um diablo or in dark souls or in something like that to best optimize that gear versus just straight up this is the best weapon for that character in the game uh that is a very good question uh I I think both have their merits. Uh, Peter mentioned Dark Souls. Uh, one of the things I love about Dark Souls is the um, staggering array of uh, final forms that um, each weapon class has. So you can come up with 
so many different ultimates, uh, depending on uh, what your playstyle is or what you want to specialize in. And sometimes there's more than one answer um, that is, you know, good for your build. Um, that said, uh, I do like it when um, I do like it when there is some kind of like, you know, like one ultimate thing, maybe for each party member that is um, shown right. to be like a horrible artifact uh, that, um, you know, shouldn't exist. But uh, it is like, you know, the most contained power, you know, like the like the devil arms that we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. or just something that maybe has like a little bit of plot significance, maybe not too much, but uh, enough that. You know, you you uh, you have gone on a quest in uh, search of power, and and you found it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I guess I'm just being ambiguous and evasive here, but uh, I think both methods have their have their merits, in depending on the type of story that's being told. Yeah, I think the, I think the souls method is interesting, but also I'm not really a big fan of the amount of guesswork um, that goes into that, unless you're like following a guide for a specific build. Like, oh yeah, um, use a guide with a souls game. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I, I would rather like know up front, like, this is what I'm getting myself into rather than planning out my character to best take advantage of this gear eventually. I, um, I mean, I, I fall pretty clearly on one side of this. I like having a specific best weapon available for every character. Especially if it's a JRPG that's more story-driven. Like, I mean, Diablo is a totally different kind of game for me, where I think tinker, like tinkering and experimenting, is is mo is much of the gameplay. But uh, for a story-driven sort of JRPG-style game, I like you know collecting all the ultimate weapons and then just going through the equip menu and just admiring <laughs> all the high numbers that each of my characters has on their key stats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I also love Disgaea, so of course I love seeing giant numbers on a menu screen. I fall quite um, into this. I fall into the same camp as you, basically. I much prefer the story-driven one weapon, one thing. But I also really like some of the merits, like the Dark Souls thing. That I, it's really fascinating. That it's basically find what you're comfortable with. And sometimes, even with ultimate weapons in games, it's not always the ultimate weapon is not always the best weapon. And mm. Sometimes, especially in action right. RPGs, where the speed of your attack is affected by the ultimate weapon. Like, oh, you lose one, you know, you get one less combo, but your attack power goes up by 25. It's like, that's maybe better than the one that's like, you get an extra combo hit, but it goes, your attack power goes up by 20. It depends on your playstyle mm. at the end of the day. And I mean, I like things with story development anyway, more than just kind of number crunching, but both have got their merits for definite. And that you, reminds me of um, Ease One, where um, that's right. You, you 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 need the second best weapons to beat the game. Yeah, yeah. You you get the you get the oh. silver sword, um, and you find like the much better battle sword after that. But the final boss in that game, he's he's hoarding silver equipment, and he's stealing stealing all the silver from the mines because that's the only <laughs> that's the only metal that can harm him. So you have yeah. to like go back and equip the one that doesn't have the highest strength to to touch him. Oh wow! And he's really a, he's a mofo of a final boss too. I'm, I he's am, horrible. I I would be perfectly happy never fighting Dark Fact ever again in my life. <laughs> but Lana, you also oh, wow. make an interesting point of ultimate weapons maybe having drawbacks because uh, we we I think we early in this episode mentioned that Final Fantasy VII a bit, where every character does have a designated ultimate weapon, but uh, and all the weapons. Uh, well, they all have a passive ability, and they all have eight links, uh, 
materia slots, but zero mm-hmm. materia growth. So if you, when you equip spells to your weapons, like you do in FF7, if you're equipping the ultimate ones, they, the spells won't be able to grow and evolve. And in, yeah. a, in at least one situation, uh, Sid has a, a rare weapon that you can find late in the game that's stronger than his ultimate weapon. Yes, so it's that's a, right. So it's not, it's not an absolute that their ultimate weapons really are the ultimate. Yeah, they're like the common trope with ultimate weapons is that the more HP you have, the stronger they are, or the opposite. And it's kind of or, like, or do for, I really want to... Or for wanna... MP, or uh, yeah. Barrett's is weird and is based on materia growth. Yeah, exactly. So it's about weighing up what's better and what's not. Um, one example I was thinking of, and I was going to bring it up, um, I did have a couple more, but this one's quite good for the what you're comfortable with, is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah! Well, the Mass, the mass yeah. Mune has the most powerful weapon, but it's not the best weapon. Oh no! The Chrysogrim. The Chrysogrim is you gotta a kill beast. Sh- you gotta kill Schmooze in the Upside Down Library. Oh, okay, so <laughs> I, the first I picked this up by accident in my not by accident in my second playthrough. I had no idea this weapon existed, so I picked up this tiny sword and was like, "Oh, the attack power is rubbish!" And then proceeded to press the button, and Alucard was just flailing it around everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> "I like this weapon. I'm quite happy with it." Yeah, it, but it's an example that. It, it, it... It attacks like 20 times a second or something. It's awesome. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm. And you can attack mm. and move at the same time, whereas no other weapon lets you do that. So but that's... It's, it's still not the strongest weapon in the game, Alana. Are you going to talk about the shield? Yeah, the, the shield, the shield, shield, the shield, shield rod. rod. Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. The shield rod is a... Is a sl- the shield rod is a slow, medium to low damage weapon. Uh, but uh, whenever you equip it with a shield, and I think you press the two item buttons at the same time, square and circle yeah. at the same time, then it does a special attack based on what shield you have equipped. And if you find the Alucard shield, the strongest shield in the game, and equip the shield rod with it, then you turn into this invincible mass of death that kills everything your shield touches, and it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like Dracula goes down in 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm the ultimate from the super boss as well. That g- I, I was not on our episode of uh, the Retro Encounter Symphony of the Night episode, uh, which, to my chagrin, because I adore that game, but man, th- that game is a lot of silly stuff you can do, and it rules. Yeah. Mm. Chris Grimm's a special weapon, but the uh, Alucard shield and the shield water are wonderful mm-hmm. little breaks in that game. I love that game. I liked how Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, it was really, like, your ultimate weapon was dependent on what uh, animation you... That's right. Best with. If you yes, did, if, right. um, if you could do your jump timing well, and you had one of the overhead swords or the katana, yeah. then, you'd, like, then you attack right before hitting the ground, then mashing attack again. You could do a double hit, and you'd, like, just yeah. be bunny hopping and stutter stepping through the rest of the game doing double hits. And, yeah. uh, and and it was probably easiest with a katana, but you could do it with a lot of weapons. And just yeah, really in that game, I mean the claim Solace and the uh, and the I think the Muramasa was probably the strongest katana are super super great weapons. And then the and the mm. the, the Chris, the Chris in that game too, but they use the Japanese translation of Valmon Way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. really, it was what kind of weapon and what kind of animation you liked the best and how you could exploit it the most was uh, what made the uh, yeah. what made that game. And yeah. Aria, Aria of Sorrow is good. I I should replay that. I only I think I just did a new game plus and that was it. And that was over te- over a decade ago. It, it is it is very good. It is actually considerably better than Dawn of Sorrow, which is still excellent. Dawn of Sorrow yeah. is is good, but I think I I remember Aria of Sorrow more fondly. Than Dawn of Sorrow is the Saturday morning cartoon version of Aria. <laughs> yeah, and the the art style even re- the art style even reflects it. <laughs> yep. Oh, but the yeah. but the uh, uh, Julius mode in Dawn of Sorrow is special. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, yeah. I love that. Maybe we should just do an episode on Aria of Sorrow. <laughs> uh, Hall- Halloween is approaching. Oh, I don't own it anymore, and it's forty quid. 
Hey, do you have a Wii, do you have a Wii U? No, I sold it. I oh. had it on Wii U and sold it. Uh, we, we, we can we can think about that. We can think about that. I mean, we, it, but it is true that sometimes we suggest an episode during an episode, and then lo and behold, three months later, it's a real episode. Yeah, I'd love to replay that game. I love Warrior of Thor. Definitely we'll, uh, second. We'll get in the staff chat room and see what happens. One, one more, as long as we're just bringing up more games with um, interesting ultimate weapon variations. Um, Final Fantasy XV actually does some interesting things with its best gear. Um, because um, a lot of the time in XV, um, you're going to encounter enemies that have elemental-specific weaknesses. Um, and you, there are a variety of you know your standard elemental-specific swords, like this one does ice damage, this one does fire damage. Uh, but Ignis has... Mm-hmm. Ignis has an ability that will uh, buff Noctis with an element, so that it kind of gets taken out of the picture. But once you get into the end game, um, for doing like high-level hunts and some of the last quests, there's a whole string of quests to give you really powerful gear that all have very specific conditions under which they are good. So um, uh, I. I Noctis has his Ultima weapon, his Ultima Blade, which is just an upgraded version of his starting weapon. But you can get a sword that does a whole lot more damage. I think it's the Balmum. But um, that sword does a lot of damage as long as you have full MP. If you don't, it's actually significantly weaker. Um, which means that in order to use it effectively, you can't use Noctis's uh, teleporting abilities. Um, and there's another sword that also that scales to stamina, so you can't sprint or run very fast um, in order to use it effectively. Yeah, some um, of some of the FF7 weapons were like that. I think we mentioned it a short time ago, but yeah, like, like, like like Cloud's weapon is based on high HP. Sid's uh, ultimate weapon is based on high MP. It it goes like that. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always thought was very interesting about that series and about the uh, 15 in particular too is like. The, since you have like the 13 royal arms that you can collect, none of which are particularly ultimate gear, but they give um, very good stat buffs and have a different, a unique move set. Um, and a couple of them can actually be very um, broken in certain fights. Um, the Star of the Rogue, in particular, is a, a really good ranged weapon that does a lot of damage. But those have the side effect too of continuously draining your HP, which mm-hmm. means you why I'm too much. It's just I I I have I have I have I, have, I have found recently that I am one of the fifteen uh, ap- apologists I suppose among the staff, <laughs> but I do find some of its decisions regarding, especially regarding combat, to be very intriguing. Hmm. Whatever. I played the game for hundred hours. I'm allowed to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed to enjoy it. I like. Yeah, yeah I, I love fifteen. I took days off work to to, to play it, and I wouldn't take them back. Green. Who wants to go to work? Come on. <laughs> oh, no. I, I hear you on that one, good sir. Um, uh, unless anyone has any more uh, last-minute stories they want to share, I think that'll about do it for this episode of Retro Encounter. Honorable mention to the Egg Dragon and the Egg Ring and the Egg Sword. Oh, and Lufia, Lufia too. too. Yeah! yeah. Oh, oh man, know. so many eggs in that game. Yeah. Uh, Give a brief shout-out to the Egg Dragon and the Ancient <laughs> Cave. Oh, God, um, the Ancient Cave might be <laughs> the most intense optional dungeon in RPG history. We, holy uh, mama. We, yeah. we talked about oh. Luffy 2 a lot on the Super Nintendo episode many moons you guys, ago. I, you guys already talked about the Egg Dragon? I don't want to repeat I don't, myself. No, I don't think we talked about the Egg it. Dragon. We just talked about how good Luffy 2 is most, mostly. But, uh, the egg, it is the egg, so good. Yeah, the Egg Dragon is special. 
So the egg dragon is like the Shenlong of Dragon Ball of the Luffy world. And you have to find his eight eggs uh, and bring them to him for one of four wishes. And each time he grants you a wish, the eggs scatter again and you go find them in different places again. And you can do this until you run out of wishes, at which point he'll say, well, I mean, I don't have anything else. So you want to have a fight? Uh, and he's the toughest boss in the game uh, who requires you to be at a super high level. Um, and defeating him bestows you uh, the egg sword and the egg ring, two items which just kind of like, if I remember correctly, but like they max your stats and they put like the cost of all um, IP skills, like limit breaks to zero. Oh At least I think the ring does that. I'm not sure about the sword. You know, that actually, that reminds me of uh, of a dragon in Dragon Quest Three, but <clears throat> I think it was... I don't think it was in the original NES version of the game. I think it was added for the Super Nintendo version, or yeah. Super Famicom version, where uh, you can um, yeah, there there's a dragon you can meet at the top of the castle, and uh, hmm. and fight fight her multiple times for different wishes. And uh, but I don't think you oh, got yeah. a, I don't think you got an ultimate weapon. I know that you could revive your father who dies over uh, who dies during the game, and you mm-hmm. can get and I think you could get some. Uh, uh, I think you can unlock a, a, an extra dungeon or something, but that, that's a similar thing. They also brought back for Dragon Quest VIII, which is another thing that gave away ultimate equipment for Dragon Wishes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember about that. Uh, on that note, I, I hope we, I really hope we get that Dragon Quest Three port for PS4 and and 3DS in the US. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to play them. I, I I can take or leave one and two, but three, I that that Super Famicom remake is really great. Dragon Quest Three is like maybe the best old school Dragon Quest and that's the one that really uh for for a long time that was the one that sort of Japanese fans took as the gold standard Dragon Quest like the sort of ultimate classic yeah. one. Yeah, it was so <laughs> forward thinking and then that Super Famicom port um added in like this whole like alignment system and the kind of like Ultima 4 S character creation at the beginning. Really I never good. I never beat I never beat the NES version of Dragon Warrior 3, but I did beat it on Game Boy Color and it's a super, super that kept RPG. all the yeah. That kept all the cool stuff from the Famicom vert, Super Famicom rather. Aww. Yeah. Spoiler alert! I really like Dragon Quest, guys. <laughs> like Dragon That's Quest Five episode. Am I allowed to stick in one kind of personal obligatory Alana reference at the end of this? Allowed. Or an it's encouraged. I wonder what this could be. It's encouraged. Hey. So yes, guys of Arcadia, we've um. So there are two weapons in this game, depending on what version you're playing. These are far more traditional and perhaps. Why I really like them is because they embrace all of the aspects of the game that I really loved. So the Volic Blade, less so. That's the ultimate weapon of the Dreamcast version. So towards the end of the game, you'll be getting one of the main character's ships um, out of the vortex, which is basically you go down this vortex and you go into the undersea, the clouds, which is where Phoenix ship's been buried because at the beginning of the game, it's been fired down, uh, shot down. Um, And so you have to use a radar to sense where these two pieces of material called Valorian are. And if you get those two bits, then you need to go and recruit a crew member called Ryu Khan. And he, once you've upgraded his shop enough on Crescent Island, he will forge you the ultimate blade with these two pieces of Valorian called the Volic Blade. And it's the clunkiest looking cutlass in the world. It is the size of... <laughs> it's like a cake slicer crossed with an axe or something. It's ridiculous. But it's got some nice runic carving on it. Um, 
it's just a nice kind of it's rewarding in the sense that you can get your entire crew and get this so it's a nice way of implementing that your entire crew means something and do something relevant but in the gamecube version an additional weapon was added called the skyfang and to get the skyfang you had to get um all of the rank you had to get the following pirate rankings so vice could attain multiple different rankings depending on how much piracy he'd done and how much good deeds he'd done so you had to get charismatic extravagant exploration king sky battle king battle lord and bounty king and to do that you had to get all of the discoveries bounty king um you had to get all of the discoveries you had to beat all of the um bounties you had to get 95 of the treasure chests i believe in the game i think it's i think it's 95 percent or above the number of total treasure chests in the game that's right um and might be only 90, pretty, you, not, I don't remember. Yeah. I think it and is had, 95. I, think, I feel like 95 is a good number. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you had to basically do everything, but it meant you had to go and find all of these discoveries. And basically, it felt like it was a reward for becoming the ultimate Sky Pirate. So you got this weapon, and you also mm. get a secret boss fight at the same time as well, which is exclusive to the GameCube. Um, so you get the last secret boss fight and you also get the last discovery which is the golden hammer shoe which is the golden bird that sits above the um archway between pirate isle the and the uh, sailor's island um but it was just a nice way of implementing all of the it was a good way of doing a collectathon because the collectathon in inverted commas in skies of arcadia is an excuse to just fly around the world and explore it and flying um, around that fl- floating islands world is just so much fun. It's it's one of my oh, all time favorite. It's one of my all time yeah. favorite world maps. Oh yeah, we and, and one good. one special thing about the Skyfang, which I did get uh, with help from a guide, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the second time I played the game, um, mm-hmm. was that uh, I mean uh, Vice fights with cutlasses, and he always has his main hand cutlass, which changes with equipment, and his second cutlass that he holds by one of the handles, which I always yeah. I, I, I almost like a tonfa. Which I, I always thought was neat, but the Skyfang is the only weapon that changes his off cutlass as well, and they both yeah they both get to be fancy, you know, uh, lightningy cutlasses, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. instead instead of just having one big fancy one and his regular little cute one. Yeah, and the nice thing about Skies is you don't need to be particularly overpowerful to do any of the secret content anyway, oh, so. No. It's like you can be quite an even level, get this weapon, and still find the final boss. Not challenging, but kind of a one-two, one-on-one fight, which is worth it. Not one-on-one, but you're on the same level, essentially. But I just thought I'd get it in there, because everyone knows how much I love this game. So, And I I'm love glad... the world for weapons. I'm very glad that you did. Uh, I, I came across this when I was... Uh researching what i wanted to talk about and i thought oh if we're having alana we've got to have this <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm so glad i squeezed it in when you started saying oh i'm gonna ask this question and wrap it up i was like no no i didn't mean that necessarily i just meant before like before all was said and done i wanted to ask the question but uh no we, we managed to talk about both things and this is this is, this is why i love you guys because when we're about to wrap up for the podcast it's like you, you love here at rpg fan we all are passionate about these games and it's just like oh we're going to finish the podcast no let's quick get two more in here <laughs> 10 minutes easily like that's that's fantastic it's, it's a great it's a great thing but does anyone 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 else have a last one they want to squeeze in here and talk about uh, uh grinding the adamantoys in 13 or something i don't know am i the only one 
No, I did do that. Oh, God. Oh, did you? Oh, man. I did, yeah. Uh, it's that actually, was a time of my life. It's funny. Okay, we're so we're, we're driving this out again. But my, my friend, um, a friend of mine is playing 13 right now, and he sends me a text being like, yeah, so playing this is actual torture. And I'm just like, <laughs> why? What happened? And he's like, I just sold this material and didn't realize it. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, this isn't something I've done, but to really, really close this off, um, anyone who's played Final Fantasy XIV and its expansions knows how difficult the oh, relic no, and relic weapons. weapons. Oh God! Oh, to get. I've oh, only I've God, heard that's... I've heard horror stories about relics from Derek and Mike Salvato and others, and it just makes me never ever want to do those quests. Oh yeah, some people in our free company have done it, um, and I just look at them and I'm like, they're really pretty. They're they're gorgeous, like. The bows, like the bard's bows, are ridiculous. <laughs> it's like they've got four freaking angel wings sticking out of them and everything and i'm just like i want but then, it but but then you see the requirements much? it's like well i could just do palace of the dead weapons instead and i made ninja yeah. anyway exactly so i really like... need to play some 14 with you guys I, I downloaded the trial and i hope to you know put some time into it when i've actually got some time yeah yeah i'm i'm, gonna... I'm, I'm still paying for it every month but i uh i I just don't have the time for it with between uh, mm. all the games we've had come out this year and Retro yeah. Encounter stuff. It's, it's been, I've been really hamstrung. But I want to get back into it. It's excellent. Yeah, it'd be fun yeah, to run around too. with you guys, I think. Yeah. I'm a cat boy with a giant axe bigger than my body. Nice. Well, on that note, uh, that'll about do it for episode 98 of Retro Encounter, the Ultimate Weapons podcast. Cl- closing us out, uh, just remember, you can always get in touch with us, retro at RPGfan.com. Uh, be sure to hit us up on the boards. I'm I have Fury on the boards. Also at I have Fury on the Twitter. Um, Mike, where can I find you? You can find me uh, Monsoon on the boards or the Real Monsoon on Twitter. On the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. <laughs> That's important. Then, uh, how about you? Well, you can find me in the men's room because I really got to pee. Uh, but. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, I'm on the boards as Towns Carmarty, and you can find me on the Royal Twitter at MissAnthroBob. Excellent. The Royal Twitter. We're moving up. Uh, Lana. Uh, so on the boards, I'm Diving Falcons, and I tweet the tweets on the Twitter at Alana Hagues. That, that'll about do it for this episode. So thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, Mike, real quick, uh, what, what, what do we have coming up? Right. Um, well, this is episode 98, which is two away from episode 100. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a special 100 ep- 100th episode extravaganza on this podcast. Look forward to that. I, I won't say exactly what we're doing, but you could say it's a little bit like episode 50 and also a little bit like an, a different essential episode of our podcast. And I, But before we hit that, I believe we're starting up the September game, which is, as we mentioned last week, Final Fantasy XII. FF12 had a recent remake, and just a bunch of people on staff were playing it, and there's a bunch of FF4, uh, FF12 fans on staff, so we're decided to make it our big episode of September. Alright, and with, with that, thank you so much for listening. For our Retro Encounter, signing out.
abajo.